BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. keep it together down here yeah 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 that's definitely the uh the uh uh the playbook for the moment in time so let me ask you this i got some weird stuff which i want to talk to you about but before i go into my stuff like uh what's what's been going on since the last time we spoke anything kind of like strange anything like mystical or super mystic going on dreams yeah absolutely i mean i was only uh, asleep a couple 20, 30 minutes ago, and my girlfriend... Was... Oh, oh, you were literally sleeping 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Part of, it's part like of the middle of the a, day. Part of why I had a rough start. So Okay, okay. Okay, so, okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. So no, you were okay. sleeping just 30 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. I So this is kind of strange because I don't typically talk in my sleep, and I don't typically sleep in this late. Uh, but my girlfriend woke up before me, obviously, and she was like, yeah, you were talking about some ritual before you woke up. I'm like, what do you mean ritual? She's like, yeah, before you woke up, you were saying that you had to go to Ancestry.com and do this ritual. And I'm like, what? You know, because from my mind, I was probably thinking like, hey, wake me up. I got to do something today, you know, like. And and maybe my brain expressed it in that way from that half-sleep state. But, yeah, it was strange uh, starting the morning that way. I felt a so little you don't remember you, you don't remember that dream? No. No, I just remember kind of being half awake, half asleep, and talking to my girlfriend. But I don't remember why or what or, you know, until she told me I was saying something about a ritual. And now I'm like, okay, interesting. All right, all right. This is this this is perfect then. So okay, um, so it started I think three nights ago. 
and it, it started out like really, really kind of like, you know, not really that big of a deal, but I'm always like noticing like, you know, everything, everything that goes on around me and I'm kind of gauging it as it occurs in terms of like how novel it is or like how unique it is. So like two, three nights ago, I'm outside, like I normally like to be before I go to bed and I'm just checking out the, the, the planets which are visible in the sky. And uh, when you look up at the ecliptic, it's normally like a real easy, uh, like human ergonomically correct sort of position. Like if you were, you know, I live the, where, where I live, I'm looking south. That's everyone above the, the, the equator. You're going to look south and that's where you're going to see the ecliptic. That's the line which all the planets move along. And like once you identify it, then, you know, it like becomes easier to see the planet. So all that being said, I do that every night. I like to go and check at it. It's just like, you know, a normal, like how you would just barely gaze up into the sky, your chin just like barely a little bit raised up, but there's no like, you know, cranking of the neck. So I do that, and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I decide to look directly over my head, you know, like look straight up. So like I'm cranking my neck, I'm putting my head back uh, as far as I can. And I normally don't do that when, I, when I'm outside, or at least I don't think I do. And I go up, and when I do, or when I look up, uh, I see a shooting star. I see a shooting star, like literally just like the moment I look up is when it shot across my, uh, my field of vision. You know, obviously you see shooting stars. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for them, but it's probably been about like two or three years uh, since I've seen one. And, I, and, you know, anytime I look at the sky, like that's always like at least in the background or in the back of my mind, you know, am I going to see something anomalous? So that happens three nights ago. And I'm like, all right, you know, that's kind of cool, but like no big deal. So the following night, the following night, um, I'm sleeping and uh, I, I wake up. I, I tend to be like a light sleeper in the middle of the night. Like I'll wake up and then I'll go back to sleep. Um, so I, I, I feel myself wake up and um, I decide to open up my eyes. I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you're kind of like, uh, like I, I'm awake, but I'm not going to open my eyes yet. I'm like, I've got my, that's where I was. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to open my eyes. When I open my eyes, I see that there is a light on in the, uh, the room, which is adjacent to the bedroom. And I know with 100% certainty that that light was not on when, um, when I went to bed. It was totally dark out. And I look at the clock, it was 3.36 in the morning, 3.36 in the morning. And um, I'm lying there in bed, and I'm thinking, th this has actually happened once before. This has happened once before about a year ago that in the middle of the night, um, I woke up and the light was on in the bedroom. And I, knew, and I knew at the time that the light couldn't have been on. And I was like, well, that sleepwalk, you know, anything like that, you know, going through all these different sort of thoughts. So, um so, so I'm lying in bed. I see the lights on again. And like when the light came on before, like it was a, it was a long, like I talked about it a lot. Me and Jenny talked about it. Like, you know, what was it? What caused it? Going through all the different possibilities. So I wake up, I see the lights on, um, you know, there's a point of reference for this. And I'm like, should I wake up Jenny? Do I want to go show her this light? And the moment I have that thought, the moment I have that thought, the light goes out. The light turns itself out. 
Like, it's not like there's a glowing light in there. It's like the actual, like, the light bulb. Like, it's not like there's a glowing spirit. So then the light goes out, and I'm like, okay, that's even, you know, stranger. I'm like, maybe it has something to do with uh, the electrical system in the house. Maybe that's possible, but I don't think that would turn on a light. But anyway, <clears throat> so that's going on. That happens uh, two nights ago. Um, so then yesterday in the evening, I had a conversation with a woman who hosts a podcast. And she reached out to me, and she's like, "Hey, man, well, do you want to um, do you want to come on my podcast?" I'm like, "Sure." And she's like, "Okay, well, let's have a like a pre conversation before the podcast." And you know, I've been on quite a few podcasts, never have I done that before, but I was kind of intrigued. And so I go yesterday in the evening, and I have um, I have a conversation with the woman. She's uh, I don't know, probably like seventy years old. She lives in England, and we're having this really nice conversation, and we're just kind of like feeling each other out. And one of the things which she mentions in this conversation, she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm also like a, a psychic medium," and that's not really my hot button, like uh, psychic mediumship. Not that I'm necessarily like opposed to it. I mean, I think that's a whole other conversation, but like it's not really my hot button. But when she said that, I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to ask this woman. I'm going to ask this woman, um, like, what does she think? I'm going to tell her the story that I just told you about, like, the shooting star and the, um, and the light going on and off. And I'm like, you know, I want to hear what her, her psychic mediumship has to say. So I'm like, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Like, you know, tell me, tell me from your psychic medium perspective, like, you know, is anything coming to you from this? I tell her the story. And she, she says back to me, and I don't know if this is so much of like a psychic medium uh, response, but she says back to me, she's like, you know, uh, um, she asks me, she's like, well, what do you think about that? What did you think? What did you feel the moment you had that shooting star? I'm like, well, it wasn't so much a feeling as much as a thought, but I was pretty certain it was for me. And she's like, yeah, it's for you. And she's like, who it's from? You're like, I don't know who it's from. Like, you know, is that from yourself from the future? Is that from another being? She's like really into ETs. And like, again, that's not really my hot button, but I'm open to it. And she's like saying this. And she's saying, she's saying um, to me, she's like, you know, it, 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 that's, that's my sense as well that it, it's for you, you know, for whatever it's being said uh, or whatever's being communicated. Um, at the very least, it's another consciousness or, or something which is communicating to you um, that it knows that you know that we're having this sort of communication. And then she asked me again, she's like, uh, she's like, tell me, or tell me about the, when that light went off, like what, when did that happen? I'm like, well, it happened the moment I had the idea that I wanted to tell someone else. I wanted to like demonstrate it to someone else and, and it disappeared. And she's like, exactly. And she asked me, she's like, has that ever happened to you before? And sure enough, like, and I, I, I did not make this connection, like, as we're having this conversation. Like, I mean, what I'm saying isn't exactly like, you know, uh, like a really, like, out, uh, um, outrageous new thought that there's communication happening. But, but nonetheless, like, I, wasn't, I never looked at it so personally in this sort of way. And sure enough, like, many, many years ago, like, I saw something in the sky which probably if I had ever seen a UFO, like, you know, um, I was, this would have been that experience. I don't know what it was that I, I was seeing, but um, the moment I had the idea 
the moment I had the idea that I wanted to go show what I was looking at the sky to someone else, the thing that was in the sky disappeared. So now I've got this kind of like, you know, the way that the, that shooting star like only was, was visible from when I had that, that inclination to look straight up and then it disappears. And then the light coming on and off with like, particularly with my thought of like sharing it, uh, uh, showing someone else just to verify that I'm not, you know, crazy. Um, like there's this consistency at the same time, like, you know, I'm connecting to this woman, um, this woman who, you know, this is her hot button. This isn't exactly like, you know, the normal things or at least the perspective in which I'm always, I, I like to look at things. So when I put all of that into context of like everything that's shifting right now in our reality, and then you tell me, you know, right, right. You know, you pick off this conversation. I don't know. You say that, that um, yeah, I had something strange going on in my dream. Like one, I don't, uh, I was talking in my sleep, something which I don't normally talk about. But then secondly, I was talking about ritual and participating in a ritual. Like, I don't know, man, to me, that seems, that seems like a, 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 an interesting uh, correspondence. What's your thought? Yeah, I and I will say that the only time I've ever saw a UFO, or what I might call a UFO, it was a spiraling, this is the only way I've ever described it, like a corkscrew leaving m closer to me and going further away. So as it was in the sky, it got further away, but exactly like if you draw drew a line from my head to the infinity of space, that's the direction it took. And my friend John Lips, speaking of confirmation, <laughs> what a name, John Lips was there with <laughs> me. And uh, and he saw it too. And that was the only time I've ever seen a, a UFO proper that I was like, wow, I cannot explain that. It, it didn't Where were you? I was, you know, I was in West Haven, Connecticut, walking uphill. So we were both looking up at the sky. And uh, yeah, not too far from the ocean. And not too far from, uh, to bring it to the the Tartarian expositions, not too far from Savin Rock. I don't know if you've heard about that, but that was apparently one of these old uh, white towns, white cities that's associated with the whole uh, World's Fair stuff that Howie talks about. Uh, no, I'm not familiar with that. But I'll, 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 I want to go back to the UFO, though. So, so how old were you? How long ago did this take? This had to be 17, 16, so probably about 10 years ago. And what was your sense? Like, what, do you remember what you're thinking, feeling, or doing around that time in your life? Yeah, I remember feeling, uh, feeling like I was sort of becoming, coming into my own. You know, I had my own way of getting around, and I was uh, probably either out of high school or about to be out of high school. So I just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a time in my life when, you know, things like UFOs were becoming way more interesting and I was finding more people to actually talk about that stuff with. John ha happened to be someone who not really interested, but he saw it too and <coughs> he, he confirmed it. You know, to this day I could probably ask him about it and he'll remember. Uh, all right, all right, because when I saw mine, I remember it was on my birthday. It was on the night of my birthday. I was probably, I, I know I wasn't 40, because my 40th birthday was when I was in Peru. 
So I think it was my 41st birthday because I was living in the same place where I was living in that uh, time of my life. So, you know, our, <laughs> you know, I'm listening to, to you describe it as like, you know, a major marker in your life, like maybe just general, like, you know, you're in this, maybe, was it the spring or the summertime? I think it was, it was fall actually. Oh, it's fall. So it was like going into your senior year in high school. I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but that would be like, uh, you're absolutely right. Like that entire year, particularly for someone who is at that age, like, you know, that's a pretty, in, in our society, that's a pretty big marker. Like, you know, your senior year in high school, like this is like, you know, you're on the top of the mountain before you, you get to start all over again. And then mine being on a birthday as well. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I definitely, um, like, you know, it's, it's, so let, let me, let me take a step back. Um, are you seeing, have you seen like, um, so we're, I'm switching a little bit to like what's happening in like regular, uh, news reality and, and, and mainstream reality. Uh, have you seen like any like shifts, like actual shifts in, uh, your immediate life. And for me, what that is, I'm always looking to see, like, there's been all of this talk about how deadly, like, let's say the vaccine is, or like how deadly COVID is. I'm like, I still haven't seen anyone I know die. So like how much of this is just kind of bullshit. And I've been holding on to that line. I'm like, until I cross, until I start seeing and hearing multiple cases of like adverse reactions, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still open to it to just be like, you know, QAnon, uh, uh, red herring sort of stuff. So, um, this week I had my first multiple confirmations of like people like having reactions. Uh, have you seen an uptick or any sort of change or anything like that in your regular life? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, being connected with all of the different podcasters that I'm connected with working for Sam Tripoli, I was a little surprised to find out, you know, a couple people on the West Coast had fallen sick, people who are in the same sort of field as us talking about these things, you know, seemingly if it all it is all mental or, or placebo like I had thought, you would think someone who's hosting a conspiracy show would be immune to that, but yeah, it it was a little shocking to find out that some of my uh, podcast acquaintances had been experiencing symptoms. But as far as my, uh, you know, friends and family, I think a lot of them thought they experienced it. I think there was a time where, where like people were just like getting symptoms that they might have normally gotten that time of year and then equating them to the virus because it just felt like the right assumption to make whereas someone like myself would be like no that's just the average you know that's just your normal seasonal uh sickness and no i mean it's still it's still relatively recover yeah every everybody i've i've heard that's gotten sick is fine but um but yeah yeah this is it's still warm you know where i'm at i'm i'm expecting october november to really bring uh, that second wave that they're talking about, even if it is just the placebo effect that I, uh, you know, sort of chalked it up to last year. But 
Yeah, no, nobody. I mean, there, there's so many possibilities. There's so many, like, I mean, like the the, the blind spot uh, of which we can't see uh, of of particularly like regular illness, regular illness. Like, there, there's so many. Like, who knows what's what? One, I mean, it. <laughs> you know, you can make a really strong argument. It's like you know, we don't even know how we get sick or what sickness is. Like, you know, our entire model of like uh, what a virus is and so forth. You know, that's told or partially incorrect to totally incorrect. You know, there's also the fact that like maybe there are like introductions of of biological agents which are making people sick or, you know, the whole sort of shedding idea, you know, that's a possibility. Um, I still think that, you know, this the whole idea or I'm still open to it. So I think open to is the word I want to use. Um uh, you know, how much is just like physiological responses to like millimeter waves and like as they become more and more common, the whole 5G thing. Like, I don't know about that, but like that's a possibility. But then there's this, man. It's like what, what we are collectively going through, like, you know, as people right now is at least in my time, like there's never been anything like this. And the amount of just like the, the, the the water you know they they call it the water torture where they just drop a do, a drop of water on you and eventually like that drop of water like eventually feel feels like you know a thousand pounds each time you get a, a water dropper you know another way of saying it is like death by a thousand paper cuts like this is immensely emotionally and psychologically trying this time like no matter what just like the the not knowing the not knowing, and then if, and particularly, I would say within, you know, our neck of the, the consciousness um, woods, you know, people who kind of think or see in in a, a, a conspiratorial perspective, like that's even more, like that's stressful in a different way than the person who's like believing like the narrative which is being passed on the news because they're like, this is bullshit or there's this, like that in itself is going to wear you down. That's going to wear people down and like, they're going to need a rest. They're going to need a rest. So it's, um, I don't know about like, uh, the, the, the sickness, like I'm like, what's causing it? Like that's the blind spot. But what, what I've noticed in the past week, what's really, um, been, um, maybe confirming is people who I know, I know three people who told me in the last week that, um, either a direct family member, or someone who they know, like a next door neighbor, um, literally within 24 hours of getting a um, of getting a, a shot, either died or had severe like complications that they've never had before, like convulsions, you know, stuff like that, you know, things which I had seen on like. Uh, uh, you know, the little video clip, TikTok clips and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, maybe that's real, maybe that's not real. Who knows? Because they showed us a whole bunch of people falling down in Wuhan in, in January. I ain't never see a yeah. single person fall on the street. So I'm like, <laughs> what's bullshit and what's not? But now that seems to be real. That seems to be real. And so I'm like, okay, is this, you know, what is, are we moving into a different shift? And, and definitely the language has changed from, from the from you know the, the White House in terms of the approach to you know the uh, our patience is wearing thin and that like corresponds to 
the language which is being said to have come out of Australia, you know, like this is the new world order and that sort of stuff. And, you know, you're going to, it's going to be a cycle of, of, of vaccine variant, new vaccine and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, is this the shift that is, has there been a shift? That's what I'm looking for. I think that's exactly, and you know, to connect it to what you were talking about with Greg on his show, and the DuPont family and their sorcery. I was just listening uh, today or yesterday to the latest episode of Tinfoil Hat, where Gary Wayne is talking about a very similar thing: how the Royal Society, their you know, one of their mottos is is from sorcerer to scientist. And this came up, I think it was, with my mother yesterday, and I was just kind of explaining to her how, you know, hey, are you sure you trust these scientists? They used to call themselves sorcerers, you know? It's like how uh, how legitimate, how respectful, you know, and scientific are they when that's where they trace their roots? You know, a lot of people tend to, separate science and spirituality but the more you look into the history the more you realize that there is no separating line they're all the same thing and they're just redefining what science is so that we don't understand everything that's possible and they can use that powerful sorcery stuff against us and we're all just like hmm oh okay well um it must be the vaccine or it must be the 5g when Really, I think there's an an energetic component to all of these devices and to understand what they're really doing to us, you know, whether it's the jab or 5G or any other device, you have to understand the world through an energetic paradigm, which is exactly what they've erased from our educational (laughs) system. Uh, All right, you said so many awesome things in that. So, But the first thing is, you cut out for a second when you said who who the guest was and what they were talking about on 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 the show on Sam's show. Oh, Gary Wayne on uh, on the and he, was he talking about the Royal Society? Is that what you were saying? He, yeah, I, I believe it was that conversation. I listened to a lot of stuff in the past two days, but and he mentioned how the Royal Society what that one of their mottos was from sorcerer to yeah, scientist. that's that. That's what I thought you had said, and um, I hadn't heard that before, but that makes so much friggin' sense. It makes so much friggin' sense, like, you know, and, and particularly when we, we, we put all of our, our, our you know, our, our modern science in the context of, it, of the root, the foundation of where it came from. But I've always found this uh, rather, uh, this little tidbit rather telling as well, um, there's a guy in his, and, and you know, the whole Royal Society, that's a, he's talked about the fact that they were like alchemists and they came from like, uh, um, you know, they were all inspired by, by Francis Bacon's Invisible College and, and right. what he wrote about in, in the New Atlantis. But there's a guy by the name of a historical character, <laughs> by the name of, uh, I think it's Joseph Priestley. Um, and he was, or what he is, from a scientific perspective, what he is known as, as he is both the father of chemistry and the man that killed alchemy. Wow. Okay? 
So when you're talking about this idea of um, like this this movement from from like from sorcery to to scientist, you know, at some point there's a there's a jump. At some point there's a jump where you're like, okay, I'm a, I'm moving away from sorcerers, moving away, moving away, and then I jump, and now I'm a scientist. And so it's with this guy Priestley. And so the reason why he got that that moniker is, you know, I'm not an expert here, but but he somehow like proved the existence of oxygen as gas. And so like, however that was done through his experimentation, was able to show like, you know, I'd say with my finger quotes, concretely that oxygen is a gas. So this whole idea of like, you know, I don't know what they what they would describe what we breathe back then, like whether it was ether or something else, but like that line of what would be called magical thinking right now that was put to an end. And now we know that what we breathe is a gas. And so this guy, and I, I want to say like the American chemists award, uh, annual award for like best chemist is, I think it's called the Priestley award. But the whole point, the reason why I'm bringing this up, the reason, uh, you know, not only is that guy like an interesting, um, character within, you know, the, the, from alchemy to chemistry sort of of transition, he had to leave his home in the United Kingdom for um, like really religious reasons. He was a real fire and brimstone sort of preacher, if I understand his 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 religion his religious perspective correctly. But he left the United Kingdom and he moved to the New World. I want to say this was in like the 1700s. And where does he go and set up shop? but on the Susquehanna, right at, God, what is it called? It's across the river from Sunbury. I think it's called North Umbridge. It's north something like that. It's the town across the Sunbury, which is the key spot where the West Branch, the North Branch uh, come together, they're confluence, and then they form that third lower uh, branch of the Susquehanna that goes down into the Chesapeake Bay. Right. And so his house is still like that like a, a historical monument, you know, this is the Joseph Priestley house. And so seeing that, that being um, at such a, that location, what this individual, what this sorcerer slash scientist, what he, um, what he literally did with his life and what he represents at this like key location on the river. And we're like, yeah, of course, this is going to be right at the heart of it as we move over. And you know, that, plays into the idea of like, you know, this where the computer industry begins. This is the first computer was on the river at the next major transitional point. IBM was found on the river, like all this sort of stuff. So it's just freaking wild. Right. Yeah, I, you know, and inspired by all your work, you know, to answer your initial question maybe a little more thoroughly, I've been investigating how Connecticut plays into this whole thing. And at first I was probably a little uh, dismissive, you know, thinking, ah, no, it probably doesn't play that big of a role, and you're just trying to insert yourself in this, you know, be cool, man, you know, have some respect for the guys who put much more work in than you have. But as I got to it and started doing that work myself for this area, I started to find some things out. I found out that there is a guy named John Winthrop, Jr., or John Winthrop the Younger, as they called him in his day, who had graduated from the Inner Temple in London, a.k.a. a place where they would learn alchemy, 
and he was a member of the Royal Society. That was a part of, you know, him uh, gaining prestige and living up to his father in his father's footsteps, his father being John Winthrop, one of the founding uh, governors of the Massachusetts colony. So when Connecticut was forming, his son went down and decided he was going to buy a bunch of land in Connecticut and and try his, you know, best at, at making the colony down here. Well, he he wrote a book, and this is all, you know, new stuff to me, so I'm still kind of sorting through the 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 threads, but he wrote a book called John Winthrop Jr., Alchemy and Creating New England. And I'm like, wow, creating New England? Interesting, you know? Like, they're... They really, you know, they really didn't hide their their plan very well. I think they just expected people to not go in and figure out how to understand it. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> it's it's like literally that it's 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 that it's that literal. It's like we are creating New England here, and we're doing it through. Um, all of these different sort of um, all of these different sort of techniques, and a lot of these techniques, um, part of the the introduction of the scientific mind, you know, and this all comes back to Francis Bacon, is the the elimination of that whether you call it like the understanding the energy or understanding magic, but like understanding the invisible realm in terms of its influence on the physical realm, and so. That movement to the scientific mind has, uh, depending upon you know which perspective you want to look from it, but um, you know it's had a huge impact in uh, what we see and what we don't see, like uh, both in terms of like who the scientists are with the quotation marks, and then also like how we in society understand the nature of our reality. You know, they they've put this new um, this new blind spot. Uh, in people's vision, but I, I you know, I, I want to go back to the, I want to, I want to go back to this thing about the, like, this is how literal it is, and and we kind of, you know, we miss like how literal things are. But so he goes and uses alchemy to go and create the New England. But then I was just reading this this uh, this person's analysis, looking at the. Um, the Freedom Tower, you know, the, you know what the Freedom Tower is. Yeah, it's the um, it's what they put in place of the Twin Towers, right? Right, right, exactly. And again, this is going to be like what I'm saying, like it's so literal and so obvious, but you like you kind of like it's 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 hidden behind the scenes. She's like, this thing is in the exact same proportions as a syringe. And he went and he did like all the math, like showing like, you know, this is the, 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 the height of the building. And this is like the length of the, the, the spire on the top. And like, this is the relationships in terms of like how big and little they are to one another. And then this is the syringe, which is the specific syringe, which is being used to administer, you know, this, this, uh, this, uh, this shot. And then, um, showing that they are in perfect proportion with one another. Wow. 
You know, it's like that. It's like, the, you know, why would that work? But seemingly it does. Like, you know, whether you want to say it's like part of like, you know, the psychological conditioning or whether it's something else, but like, this is part of like, you know, and <laughs> what this, this apocalyptic ARG, which, which is being uh, foisted on the minds of humanity. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if Chris Knowles is, is who you're talking about because I just got uh, a PDF from him yesterday called, and this is strange, uh, but he's also very interested in the same similar thing, the Secret Sun Institute of Advanced Synchromysticism. And he sent me the... Hold on, say that again. <laughs> the Secret Sun Institute of Advanced Synchromysticism. Is that a thing? Started by Chris Knowles. <laughs> oh, that's his thing. Yeah, recently, I, I believe he recently started it. And uh, so he sends me this Ground Zero star map, okay? A.K.A. Ground Zero, uh, Freedom Tower's new location. And I don't know if he's, yeah, I'm reading through it, and he, he's not talking about what you just mentioned, but he's showing a connection between the World Trade Center and the Sirius Glyph. The Sirius Glyph is an Egyptian hieroglyph that basically points from Orion's belt to the Sirius star. And uh, and then he shows how the Capella constellation is this stargate that they're basically this mirroring with the Pentagon. So you have, hmm. you know, this event that's going down with the World Trade Center 7, the two trade towers that everybody's kind of seen, you know, the numerous amount of breakdowns there, but wow, it's I'm going to send this to you, but this is very fascinating. Yeah, you already sent it to me. I read it. It's it, oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what I think is so friggin' cool is like taking like all of these perspectives like all like we're, we're all like figuring this thing we're all like i mean <laughs> that's that's like the like the literal definition of the of the the you know the the apocalypse is the fact that it's a revealing and so like we're all being revealed all of this stuff whoever we are you know like the people who are having this conversation me you like everyone is thinking this way like we're all part of this conversation and it's being revealed in how how this is um, how this is being created, like you know how it's uh, uh, um, you know to kind of switch gears a little bit to like what's happening in society right now, like and it, it the the events that happened on September twenty September eleventh uh, two thousand one, like you know that is the perfect metaphor. We're seeing a controlled demolition of the alternative reality game, which we've all been living in, and we're seeing it being brought down, and we're seeing, like, how they did it, and how it was created, and how, like, the next thing is being created, and, like, you know, we've all had that blind spot, like, like on an intuitive level, and, like, each of our research and experiential level, we're, like, beginning to understand, like, the nature of this realm, but um, we're also seeing it, like, unfold, or, like, this is how it's done. Yeah, it's the apocalypse. It's the apocalypse that you <laughs> initially, I mean, I don't want to say that inspired you to create this, but that is the intention of this show, right? That your handbook, you being the listener, your handbook for the apocalypse. But 
Complete, completely. So let's let's go into apocalypse. Let's go into that word. Um, when when you hear that, like you know, you just as Mark with like you know everything which makes up your you know the way you see things. What what does apocalypse mean to you? Well, <coughs> as a kid, apocalypse was something that I remember having a very religious connotation. Not that my family or my upbringing was extremely religious in that way catholic folks don't tend to really talk about that as much the rapture and the apocalypse some do but it's not really a catholic thing so it wasn't really you know super religious but it felt culty you know because from my cult's perspective of the catholic cult it was like oh these people think that jesus is going to come at the end of the world like what you know and then as I learned more and more, you know, I saw the movie Apocalypse Now. I started to think about it in those terms, the Hollywood terms of, of um, world destruction. Uh, but no, more and more and more, I see it as what I think the Mayan calendar intended, which is just the next Bakhtun or the next age, the next, you know, phase. And, and that doesn't mean that there isn't a cataclysm, but I think that it's... Uh, natural cycle that the earth goes through like a snake shedding its skin you know to the little bacteria living on the the skin of the snake it seems like the end of the world but you know i think we we can survive in a way uh spiritually maybe if not physically well a lot a lot of stuff <laughs> uh the first thing i want to say is like the the recognizing um just the 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 alchemy the magic of introducing um concepts like the apocalypse or hell or all of these sort of things like into the minds of children and how they vary based upon the cult i love how you, how, how you position it that way and so that is so ingrained, you know, maybe not in each of us individually to the same level, but, but collectively, you know, that's, and that is that right there, that right there. And I just like to point this out because it's so obvious. Um, when you introduce these ideas into the mind, probably of, of any human being before, let's say age nine, like and it's gonna and how much it's been introduced is going to is going to have a huge impact but what happens is when you introduce this idea into the mind of um a nine-year-old or younger you are creating the basis of for the most part um lifetime mental trauma lifetime mental trauma because the the um the in the intellectual capacity of a of a nine-year-old or younger is is unable to to break anything down and, and you know the younger you are the closer to five or even younger like the more literal you take that and the earlier that's put into your mind like when you hear about the apocalypse or you hear about like this 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 thing hell which you can't imagine but you can kind of imagine and it gets into the brains or into the thought process in, in in building the foundation of how consciousness at least on uh like a, a built uh way is made like 
that's in there. And that can't be reconciled with that mind, with that five-year-old mind, with that seven-year-old mind. It's taken as literally as it was told to them. So that's why it, it matters, like, you know, how the cult positions these ideas. But then even if, like, you know, you move through that, like, like you know, let's say you, you grew up in a real fire and brimstone sort of household, and then, and then, like, when you hit 18 or 19 and you go through your rebellious stage and you reject everything that you had been conditioned because you're like, now you see that, you know what, that's kind of bullshit or something like that, it's still in there. It's still in there. Uh, and the less aware you are of how these things have play out in terms of your deep, deep understanding of what's going on, like, you know, the bigger that, that, that influences on a, on a deeper level. So, I mean, we can, I think it's very important that we recognize when we're beginning to talk about this idea of apocalypse, um, that these kind of trauma-based mind control um, techniques have been part of the uh, Western cults and, and different cults have different uh, mind control techniques, but this is what they do. And so that it, it makes it, you know, again, this is the revealing, it makes it, you know, until you become honest with what has been put into your mind as a child, uh, you're, you're still moving on motivations which are, which have been, um, which exist within your, your, your subconscious beneath like your awareness level. So we've got to begin with that, but now I want to go to apocalypse. Like, what exactly is let's, let's focus on on apocalypse. Um, you know, so the 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 word apocalypse it has a couple different connotations, and it is uh, like you said. Um, generally, it refers to like you know the end of times or the end of an age or the end of life. Uh, but it also has a, an implication, obviously, of, um, of a new beginning, of a new beginning, you know, just like what you said, like that, the, the, the snake and like, you know, we go to the snake eating its tail and we know how, how widely used that symbol has been used by, uh, you know, the, the, the cult, if you will. Um, but, but there's that element, but then apocalypse literally means the revealing. And so that is part of this, this cyclical sort of nature of what's being implied with, with apocalypse. And again, like uh, apocalypse is, it begins as just an idea that there's such a thing as an apocalypse. Um, but, but when we, we look at, at the idea, we're, we're beginning to play with, with the viewpoint of like, okay, is this an apocalypse? We also have to take in consideration that there is a revealing of of the bigger picture and whatever the bigger picture may be for like you individually or maybe us collectively as, as human beings. But um, we begin with that. But from my, from my, from my viewpoint, I, I see it in apocalypse is in, in three kind of, in three kind of ways. You've got like the biblical apocalypse, which is, you know, it, it's tied in very much with, um, like, you know, a higher power and maybe the devil and all of this sort of stuff. And then you have an astrological apocalypse, which is more based upon like, um, like you know, the, the great year, the, the turning of the times, the turning of the ages, like moving from the age of Aquarius to the age, or the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius or the age of Aries to the age of, um, 
of uh, I guess after Aries would be would be Pisces. So there's that element, and that's a little bit different. It's a it's a softer version of of like you know the end of one age and then um, the beginning of another, and and there is going to be it seems more of like the the um, the biblical apocalypse is more of like you know the the actual experience I suppose of living through that changing of one age to another and then i guess the third the third category would be like like a um a, a legitimate like you know wiping out of life on earth whatever earth would be like you know from something outside of of earth like that would be like you know we're hit by a comet or you know a huge uh, a huge strike from the sun or whatever like something like that and you can make an argument, I don't know, you know, this is the revealing time, we're trying to figure this out, but you can make an argument that all three of them are kind of, are all three of those categories are one and the same, you know, we're just looking at the same thing from three different ways. And you could also say, you know, this lines up to like the yuga cycles or the, the different sun cycles of Mesoamerican, like we're, we're dealing with the same sort of stuff. But nonetheless, nonetheless, um, I think that it is, I think it's and and I say this I say this and, and I want to hear what you got to say after this I say this with with this perspective um, I know that historically that we've been told that there have always been um, different groups and different people who are saying we are living in the end of days this this is right before the apocalypse I mean that's what you know supposedly the 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 mystics in the Wissahickon like you know the whole Kelpius, uh, Johann Kelp group outside of Philadelphia, they started that because they were waiting for the apocalypse, or Joseph Smith and the Latter-day Saints, they were the saints of the final days before the apocalypse, and there's many, many, like, times where people are like, this is the end of time, so is this any different, or how is this different? Um, so I say that with uh, understanding that there is a historical record of people saying this is this is this end of time, and maybe that wasn't, or maybe that meant something a little bit differently. But I'm going to suggest that what we're experiencing right now is um, is like the you know quote unquote is the actual is the actual like you know bringing down. We're seeing the bringing down of one of one of one life one way of living life on earth and we're seeing the beginning of another but i'm also going to say this too is i think it's all fucking bullshit i don't think it's real i don't like i don't think it's real in the fact that like from outside of the created culture i think this is all smoke and mirrors this, that's why i call it an arg an alternative reality game and that's what we're seeing that does not change the fact that it's happening but it all it changes maybe the context of living through it, and then hopefully it will expand upon the context of what are we supposed to be doing on Earth to begin with. So, so that's kind of where, where I want to hand it back on to you, Mark. I know that was a bunch of stuff to just drop on you. Yeah, I think you know what came to mind. You know, as I'm as I'm hearing you talk about this is, is the great awakening, the great revealing that, you know, that's the, maybe the fourth definition of the term apocalypse. And it seems like the age of Aquarius with this water carrying, you know, the water diluting and then 
bringing all these muddy little bits out and rising them up to the surface. You know, when you pour water in a cup, whatever's in that cup is going to get mixed up and spread apart, and you'll be able to see it a lot easier than you would if it had remained kind of in a like little pile at the bottom of the cup. You know, water has that ability to uh, sort things out in a way. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing too, is this sorting out. You know, you pour water onto that pile of, of whatever it is, and eventually you pour enough water and it's all going to be flown out of there, you know, and it'll just be clear, pure water eventually. So that's that's the, that's the hope I have. Uh, but Considering the latter half of what you said, where if it is an ARG and it all just is simulation, I wonder if there's a component to this end-time psychology that is beneficial to the elite. Because that's how I examine things typically, is like there's a hierarchy of people. Uh, there's people at the top, and they're using all the information and hoping that we have none of it so that they can remain at their point uh, at the top, right? So part of that is is this spiritual knowledge, this knowledge of the afterlife, and this knowledge of uh, the right way to pass on from this world to the next, whatever that next is. And I wonder, you know, in that kind of paranoid way, if the psychology of the apocalypse is almost like uh, sort of, you know, if if life is an ARG, then essentially, you know, that means that somebody can come in like a video game coder or writer and write a, an experience through which other people will be funneled through. You know, when you when you play Call of Duty, that's a very limited experience compared to maybe if you played a game like Skyrim or something like that where it's sandbox and open realm. So I think it is kind of in a sense if we're going to talk about things in the gaming perspective which i'll make it clear i'm not a a gamer anymore by any means um but i think it is possible that they create this sort of paradigm for people to live their their spiritual life through and it maybe warps their energy in a way that they don't realize uh that they're benefiting somebody else's agenda at their own behest so uh, okay, 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 okay. I got me on the on the on the edge of my seat. So so the there there are two things. So um. So the first thing is, uh, ARG. So maybe I wanna, I wanna I wanna clarify what I mean by that. So an ARG is um, an alternate reality game, and so this is not a video game. This is not a video game per se, or like, you know, the idea of like, you know, life being like a computer simulation. This is, this is independent of that as an idea altogether. Like, you know, th this does not mean that, that this ARG, which I'm referring to, does not exist within a video game. I'm like, I don't know. It's like at the, we, we have to begin the examination with the understanding that this is all a mystery. On the most foundational level, we don't know who we are, how we got here, what we're supposed to do, where even here is, any of that stuff. And so that means, like, you know, kind of everything is on the table, I suppose. But then that being said, uh, I like to focus, like, very much, like, experiential reality, like, what's, what, we're, what we're having in our bodies and, like, this conversation right now. So this is what an ARG is. 
So an ARG is this, and they, um, so imagine like, um, like me, you, and like maybe 10 of our friends, we get together and we're going to create, we're going to create, uh, like an experience. We're going to create an experience and we're going to go and, and like, let's say the experience is we're going to make someone believe that, uh, <laughs> I mean, Hey, I'll use the example of, of being a targeted individual. So like that, being a targeted individual in many ways is an ARG. So we're like, all right, we're going to go and and we're going to create this experience where this person is going to think all of this stuff is happening to them. And we set up in such a way that um, we're coordinated and we're putting all of these quote unquote clues and experiences for this person to have in their actual body. And they think that there's a whole other reality going on. And from their perspective, it truly is. It's really, really, really happening. But what they don't see is like it's all convoluted. And everything which they're using to verify if this is true is within the ARG. So they're using the ARG or the experience, thinking that it's an actual experience. It's a feedback loop, which is like, yes, this is really happening. This experience is really happening. Now, an ARG, I just told you a little bit about it, like from like a targeted individual perspective, but there are ARGs which are meant to be like immensely fun and enjoyable for people. Like, you know, party planners would create ARGs, which people would go and have one. They don't know like what's real, who's in it and what's not. But then what happens is when you have the participation in it, it literally becomes your reality. And so a PSYOP. So you, if you were to go and look at, at, at ARG in the Wikipedia definition, they would talk about it as kind of like, for the most part, like an enjoyable, fun experience, uh, which people have. <clears throat> but if you really start to deconstruct it, you'll see like, oh, this is like literally no different than a very like uh, well-organized PSYOP. Uh, everything where we think of like crisis actors and all of those sort of things, those are ultimately to create ARG. And if you keep on going deeper with looking at the ARG, you realize the reason they work is because they are in alignment and harmony with what the human experience is. Like we have our actual realities based upon what we're born into and what everyone else agrees is reality, and then that becomes our actual life and our experiences. That's a friggin' ARG. That all of these are ARGs. I'm going to go bring back even more specifically to what we are seeing right now, like in our actual reality. So, what what do they call it? Was it Event 201? Is that is that what um, it was called? That that like conference which which occurred like in November of 2019, where they were like planning for a supposed um, uh, co uh, coronavirus epidemic. Yeah. So, like, that's literally, like, on a, on a level of reality, that would be within, like, the greater ARG of what we call Western culture. Like, that's, like, you know, that's what an ARG looks like. And, like, this is the planning. These are all the people who are planning, whether they're aware that's an ARG or not. They're planning everything. Um, and then, like, the introduction of ideas, like, through the news and through all of this other sort of stuff. And, like, you know, everyone's in agreement. This is happening. And look at these statistics. And what happens is the people who are within, within like, uh, the receiving end of this, it, it, it is seemingly real. And there is a coordinated effort. There's a coordinated effort outside of that ARG to make it real. And at the same time, like, they're rolling things out. They're rolling out, like, actual, like, you know, medications. They're rolling out actual, you know, 
technologies to go and trace people, whatever that may be, like our, our new protocols, new laws. This is how an ARG, like which began, like as I described, like as an ARG is completely convoluted and controlled, utilizing certain techniques and like, you know, uh, uh, tools which are like materially available to people. And then it, it will either, um, it will either take root or not. And then if it takes root, then it becomes real. Because once the ARG kind of has like a full cycle um, and repeats it upon itself, the people who are living within it, the people who are living within it, like they then begin to live their lives in a reality-based way based upon the new laws of the game of the ARG. Oh, I guess this is what this is what the new normal looks like. This is the great reset, or you know, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, the what we're seeing right now with with the whole sort of pandemic, like that is that is a minor ARG. What I'm talking about when I'm talking about the apocalypse, this is a greater ARG. This is still like the exact same way of like creating these false realities. Um, which we are born into, which we accept to be true, um, but it creates our reality. That's what's going to happen. One thing's going to create your reality one way or the other. Um, this is the reality we've been created to. And the apocalypse is part of an ARG. It's, this is this, this thing which we're literally seeing happening. Um, it's all based upon their stories. Like There is a baseline material reality. There's definitely more than just the material reality. But there's a baseline material reality. But there has, we've been born into a, a filter in between the baseline physical reality um, and our mind, our consciousness. And that is like the greater ARG. That's, we can see that through culture. These are the laws. These are the, these are the, um, the mores of our culture. And they, they, they are, are enormous. They encompass so many parts of how we understand reality. What we're experiencing right now is um, the AR, a, there's an ARG all about astrology. Like astrology works because, or it's true. Like there's a baseline reality. We really do see these things called planets. They really are in placements in the heavens. And what the, these placements and what these planets are, like I don't know. Like, um, but they really are there. But then when we start to add in the levels of the zodiac to it, is like the same idea of um, of like you could look at the land mass of what we call North America. Like that's a thing. That's a real thing. But then we go and we divide that up into borders, which we call states. And on the, the ARG, these are all ARGs, the reality, which is like, yeah, there really is such a thing called a state. I'm in Pennsylvania, and, you know, I pay my taxes to the Pennsylvania state uh, government, just like you pay yours to Connecticut. Like, that is real, but it's all an ARG, which we've been born into. From the level in which that's the ARG, um, like, that's the same thing with astrology. But the astrology is even deeper, is even deeper than, than like, you know, the United States or those borders, because it predates it. And so what they're doing right now, what they're doing right now is they are changing their ARG game. This is the great reset. We're collapsing one story. And the story before was the age of, of Pisces, which we've all been like, taught that that's a thing. And they are introducing this thing, which is called the age of Aquarius. All the stuff they're doing with technology and like globalism and all of that, like this is all based upon that ARG, like which has been 
thousands of years, assuming like, you know, uh, this is a thousand years old, but like, you know, this is the same thing. This is what we're witnessing. We can step outside of that. We can see what's baseline. Like looking at the planets in the heavens and knowing where they are is a level which is deeper than saying like, oh, well, then that is this part of the heavens, which equal, which means this, like, like all of their ARG de deconstructs. They're telling you it's the age of Aquarius. I'm like, well, based upon tropical or based upon sidereal, you know, it like it changes. It works within the ARG. So what, when we understand the nature of ARG and human consciousness and what we see is unfolding before our eyes, then we are able to then participate on it in a much greater level. Um, and I'm going to go and bring this all back to where our conversation began is like, you know, is there communication from a consciousness happening outside of this, this level of my ARG? You know, it was a personal communication to Mike in general. If that is true, if that is actually factual, that meant that it has to work at the level which someone is able to control shooting stars and someone is able to like make like lights go on and off. And so that would be outside of like, you know, that would be beyond my ability to imagine what that could even be. And so that's what I mean about the ARG and like taking all of the, and the apocalypse. The apocalypse is an ARG. It's a real, we're really experiencing it, but it's only real within the ARG. And I think that as we become more aware, as we become more aware of the things that are outside of these stories they told us, then we are able to then go and navigate through this time and even more excitingly begin to participate at a level which is much, much greater than, than, than if you were participating, uh, being inside someone else's game. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Telling me that there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, that explains so much. That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly what's going on when people talk about social engineering and cultural manipulation. To me, that's, it seems like it's, it's like we all live in baseline reality and the elite know that. So instead of just letting us create our own reality, they create this overlay through which we live our existence and yeah astrology is i think maybe even the root of that you know getting people oh, i i would say so i would say there is something in in mike's personal opinion there is something immensely 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 important and significant to your human experience to understand your relationship to the heaven so that it like i that is so important but then i also am able to recognize like what's the Babylonian Zodiac? You know, I'm also able to recognize like, like, listen, you know, like I, I get paid money to, to be like, you know, quote unquote, an, an astrologer though. I like to think of myself as an unastrologer because I understand how it works. Like it becomes like a real truth. So, so here's another example. So, so uh, like, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is a true a story, which you can go and read. So um, <coughs> the, the, uh, beginning of the the concept of the assassins, you know, it was this like almost like a special uh, uh, going back in like the Crusades. So you got like the the Christians and the Moors, the Christians and and the Muslims, and 
on the on the Muslim side, like you know, they had this. I would call them like the, the special forces, and they, these were the assassins. And what supposedly, you know, the story which you can read about the guy who was like in charge of it. What he would do is he would recognize, um, he would recognize, you know, a potential recruit, and would invite this recruit to this his, um, you know, his 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 property, his lands, his palace. I don't know, like. And for a dinner, and so he goes and he serves him dinner. And what he does is, like you know, the, he drugs the food. He drugs the food so that um, one, it'll make the person pass out, and then that'll only last for a little bit of time. And then they would wake up, but they're going to wake up underneath like a like a, a psychotropic, like their mushrooms, you know, some sort of like psychotropic substances in it. So you wake up and like you're tripping balls, and while you were asleep, you were moved to another part of. Um, of the property. In fact, there are probably like five or six of the guy of guys who are going through this. So they all wake up, they all wake up and they're tripping balls and they're in this new setting. There's like all these beautiful women around and there's like, you know, kind of a guy in a costume who's like dressed like, you know, some sort of prophet. And he's like, listen, you have been chosen. You've been chosen by, by, by God himself, by creator himself to fight for God because you are special. And you are going to have all of the power behind me, and you will fight our enemies. And and this is and this is uh, you, your calling from me. And if you do this, you know you get all of these rewards and all these powers. So like this kind of goes through, and then the the people are kind of drugged again, and they fall asleep, and then they're brought back to the original the original location, and then they wake up, and then uh, they're like. Oh wow! Did you, I had this crazy dream? And this other person had the same dream. So it becomes that all of that is an ARG. All of that is an ARG. But here's the thing: this is where the ARG becomes experiential reality. These people become immensely unstoppable on the field of battle. They have changed who they are on a core level, and they fight with a vigor and a strength which they would not have unless they went through that experience. That is like, you have to realize that is, that is just as true as all, that's how the ARG works. When, you, when, we, when we completely identify within a narrative, which is like completely undeniable, then uh, we literally become it. And yeah. it changes our life experience and how we have our lives. And that is the truism. The truism isn't like what that life becomes. It's like this is what happens. Like, you know, the deeper, the more, the more convincing the experience, the more true it would be. And that model, which I just laid out, is the same model as like creating like the super soldier, like different sort of like changes in it. But like that same level of like, of mind fuckery is like that's what creates like literally how someone lives their life or at least has that potentiality and the revealing in my opinion for this 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 false this false arg like listen if i see a comet come from out from 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 the heavens or if we're hit from something from the from the stars i'll change my story i'll be like well that 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 uh holds more weight than this false story which i'm being told but right now all i'm seeing is like we are we're we're living in someone's false their 
false ARG. This is what the Great Reset is. They're just creating what they want the next story to be. And we also are seeing the revealing right now to 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 walk through to understand how this 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 realm works so that we can walk through it with with um greater awareness and consciousness so then going back to the whole thing of like you know why does mysticism work why does why synchronicity important why is looking at rivers looking at where you are important because that is a baseline reality which is deeper than the arg you are going to connect to something that is the human experience all of us are going to connect to something outside of ourselves. That becomes our feedback loop, and that becomes our reality. What you want to do during this time, and what I'm hoping we're going to talk all about for you know our future, all of our conversations, is like what that looks like of being able to create that feedback loop outside of the um, of the controlled demolition ARG, which is being sold to us as we discover one level deeper, two levels deeper, uh, multiple levels deeper. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, that reminds me of my conversation with Matt Belair that I just put out last night on my podcast, and he mentioned a gentleman who he had interacted with in his life when he was younger named Tyrone, who meditated on oneness with God for 100 days straight doing nothing else. He didn't leave his house at all. Someone dropped off his food. And at the end of the 100 days, he had an out-of-body experience. And, you know, as you're telling me this, it almost makes me feel like what he did was sort of stayed out of the ARG long enough for baseline reality to just enter into his consciousness, you know, uh, after meditating for that long i mean what is meditating other than just gaining control of your thoughts in a way and and centering them in in a in a place that you decide i mean, i think you, you you just nailed it like i think it, everything is part of the arg that we live in is the lie that everything is complex and hard and scarce and all of this sort of stuff but the true uh, and I'm, I'm just going to call it a, like, I'm going to say the whole, the whole human experience is an ARG. Like, we're not even going to get into like, you know, all of the, you know, what could be outside of the human experience. I don't know that. But all I do know is what it's like to be human. And I do, you know, I at least believe that there's a whole lot more, um, going on than that. Um, what we can see within this material realm, the truism of this material realm is that as soon as it stops getting clogged up with the with the with the with the trash, it just fixes itself naturally. It right. just fixes itself. Like, oh, the atmosphere clears up after like thirty days of lockdown in Wuhan, you know, with so much smog for, for like twenty years and then in, in a week of like no one driving, like everything is fine. Uh, the body does that. The earth does that. It naturally cleans itself out, but what it needs is a break. It needs a break from whatever the toxin may be. That's the nature of the physical reality. So, like, the, the example which you just shared with us about this, like, 100 days of meditation to, to, to union with God. Like, I mean, who knows what, what union to God it is, like, but, like, that is a thing. Like, whatever that may be. Like, you know, I'm purposely looking at, like, whatever, whatever that person defined God to be. And I'm like, all I'm going to try to do is just connect with that. And then um, something else, something happens just naturally. Like, that's seemingly the nature of, um, of 
this realm. And here's, you know, we talked a little bit, of, and I want to keep talking about like apocalypse. I like to talk about this apocalyptic sort of like uh, lens because one, I think it's kind of funny to talk that way. And, and two, like by not talking about it, like that's in a lot of people's minds and, and you know, we're bringing it out of the unconscious by talking about it. But, but here's the flip side of like, let's say if this is an apocalypse. So another thing which we know about, um, uh, we know about the human experience. And 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 what and I also want to say this like I'm not denying that there's not this like totalitarian creep which they're trying to force down us as part of the RG they're trying to introduce but like you know we're stepping outside of it with our consciousness so we can move through it but this is what we do know about the human experience um, without a noble pursuit. Without a purpose, which is, and this is where noble, like it's not just a pursuit, but with what a noble pursuit, something greater than the individual, like a like a Arthurian challenge. Um, we're left we're left empty inside. You know, that's the whole thing of like you know the you know the the people who bought into the old ARG of like working hard and like you know you get your two weeks of vacation and you get to retire in Florida and like you know your careers where you put your energy and then like you're absolutely empty inside and they try to sell it so hard like you're going to get like some sort of satisfaction from your career that's not what it is you're only going to get satisfaction from what's called a noble pursuit it's got to be something you know greater and grander and noble pursuits are like a hard thing to come by within like the old ARG so that being said that being said you know with what what's with what at 100% being attempted, and I think is occurring, is like, you know, this false ARG storyline of an apocalypse. Like, it's really happening. They're really destroying all this, all of the infrastructure, and they're bringing up a new one. Um, that's really occurring. But, like, when you can step outside of it, like, you know, you're not limited to it. But even if you still have, like, a like a little bit of awareness or foot within it, what this 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 ARG collapse is providing those with with the capacity to see it for what it is, um, it gives them a noble pursuit, and it gives a a unified noble pursuit because the only thing that you're, you're given two different types of options right now in the old ARG, you either go and um, you you are trying to cling on to the old way of life and you'll do whatever you can um, to cling on to that. Or you're completely embracing the the great reset new way of uh, the great reset ARG, which is being provided. But if you step outside of that, the only thing you can do is come up with a new parallel society and way of being. And I will say there is, and and it is becoming um, existential, like you know, of your existence to do so. Um, there is no greater noble pursuit and unifying noble pursuit and human beings being aware that, okay, this is what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm creating these parallel, my own ARG. I'm creating my own way of being and I'm getting my cues, not within their storyline. And maybe I'll pay attention a little bit to it, but I'm going outside of that to the greater baseline reality. And that coupled with this noble pursuit of creating whatever it is we're going to be creating, like, you know, this is the timeline I get to live through. This is the life I get to have. That's right on. And I think that's, you know, what's really inspired me ever since learning about your work and Ross's work and even Chris Knowles's work who came up 
earlier in the conversation, but yeah, I think creating your own baseline reality is fun and easy and simple when you have a rubric and you're someone who's created this sort of outline, you know, with examining the river, examining your own genealogy, local history, where the three connect, how, you know, the history of the place connects to the greater reality and what we're all witnessing and experiencing and, you know, the mass media programming and all of those things that are constantly trying to uh, basically keep you corralled mentally, spiritually, and even physically now. I mean, it couldn't do that before, but yeah, I, I think that's somewhere where it's all very new to me, Mike. I don't know. I mean, creating my own ARG, how do I start? <laughs> So well, I guarantee this. I guarantee this. Um, you've always done this. This is the, the, that's the nature. I'm just giving a, a title to it because it makes sense. That's all it is. It's a model for understanding, like how how reality on this realm works, and particularly through a consciousness model and understanding that there are. Um, and this one, the the question of like, or, or the 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 quote the most important question you can ask yourself is is this a dangerous universe or a friendly one um like when you understand that there are and whether you are called the elite or forces or whatever like there is a very very like you know uh well organized group of beings whether those are human beings or something else which are 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 working in lockstep to create something um you know that's happening and then we understand why that works and how that works um we then create our own and it's it's when you do it in harmony with the living with the living matrix because what they're doing is this false one. But what we're doing is we're living, we're trying to connect within the, the, the living one, the one that does not need to be fed in order to live. Like that's, when I say a false ARG, it only exists if it's fed. So like everything that you're seeing right now with, this, with, the, with, with the pandemic, it only exists because it's being fed. But like the greater one doesn't need to be fed. That's how you know that it's real. As we begin to become more aware of like the techniques and then how we're creating our own reality on a deeper level, on a deeper level. So it's like outside of the, uh, of the false one, then this is how we move through this. I don't know what that looks like. You've been doing this your whole time. Like the, 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 uh, the, the, this is, and maybe this is a nice way to, to begin to wrap up this first conversation we're having. Is like if we're doing anything right now, is we're 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 doing the 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 revelation period, the revealing and and through our own observation of what we're experiencing, um, the revealing of how this of, of being human on Earth works during a a controlled demolition, and that's what we're doing. We're figuring it out. Hence the uh, your handbook for the apocalypse the running title of the <laughs> exactly show. exactly i love it yeah i think that is uh that's a great way to to end it maybe even you know go into a little bit about what our goals are for this podcast uh now that we're coming towards the end it's been about an hour and 20 
and our phone call's been about an hour 30 but uh but yeah what do you, what, what can folks expect if they're going to be tuning in like i know they will well i think it's going to be uh, there, there are two things. There, 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 there are two things which are happening. It's like you know, or maybe there's more than that. So there's the um, there's the bringing to light of what's going on around us. So it's like you know, having like these conversations and like you know, not just like oh, this is what I read in the news, but 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 um, this is what's happening in our lives and what we're actually seeing. And so what this does is it's it's beginning to um, we're going to go and see how this storyline is unfolding and, and particularly from two like-minded individuals, because I want to hear from you of like other things that are happening outside of my world, because we're, we're, we're kind of in this, this hall of mirrors. It's, it's hard to know what you're seeing because there are all of these reflections, but like, you know, stepping outside of that with someone else outside of the, the, the mainstream story that's going to help provide a better bearing as to what we are uh, experiencing what um, and even like you know our adventures like how this game is is working and how we step out of it but even more so like I want this to be a demonstration I want this to be like a, a an experiment in which as we talk about this you know this is you and I are having like a, a real interaction. What I mean by that is like we're talking. I say something, you say something back, and so forth. But for <coughs> seemingly the person who is just listening to this, it's not a real interaction because they're not interacting directly back to us, or at least they're not part of this conversation. They're not interacting on that level. So then what this would be is a demonstration. Like, oh, wow, like, you know, I'm inspired by that. Well, let me go and apply that in my own life. And so what my sense is, like, you know, we're all going to be figuring this out together. And um, one way or the other, like, through these connections which we're making um, in, in understanding reality and understanding how to navigate these times, like, we're all going to meet up one way or the other. And so this is how we learn how to do it. Absolutely. And, folks, if you want to participate, you can go to podinbox.com slash susaf. And leave us a message. Let us know how this conversation lined up with your life, possibly. What do you think of that, Mike? Do you think we can? Maybe... I think that's fantastic. You, I mean, for, for, for three reasons. For three reasons, I don't like to participate in the technology aspect. One is, like, I'm too old for it. I was born before it was part of my consciousness, so it still seems foreign. Two, I don't want to become that... Um, that deeply connected so i purposely try not to learn anything like that and then three uh the third one is is like you just do it so well so this is the perfect partnership i love when you handle that so i don't even have to have my hands involved with any of that uh i love to hear what people have to say uh and i and and hopefully what if there's comments or anything like that mark like uh you'll read them to me and we'll go through some of that sort of stuff because i i, I want to hear that i just don't really participate on that level yeah no i think so i think that would be you know, for what comes up synchronistically, uh, very interesting. Even like uh, I was thinking about incorporating some clips into the show and uh, possibly giving people little tastes of uh, where what's inspiring us. You know, and uh, I love it. I love that. I, I love that part of it. And so, like you know, I want you to have that creative freedom. And uh, 
to do so. And and one more thing, which which I want to uh, say too to those who are listening is the way we're doing this um, has been very purposeful. We this isn't over Zoom. This this isn't. Um, this is not over that interface. It's still obviously over a technology interface, but we're just doing this over the phone. And that's purposeful. It's purposeful for many reasons, but it, it is also a demonstration of like, you, you know, this is just a hard pill for a lot of people to describe, but we don't want to be connected to the internet. Uh, we want to be able to have access to all of the things that the internet has demonstrated that reality can do, which is primarily like accessing information at any time, storing information at any time, and then connecting with people at any time. But uh, uh, part of like moving out of this, if you don't want to be in this ARG, is like you gotta you gotta start moving off of off of their crack, and and so this is very purposeful of us doing this just over the phone. Like you know, wireless technology is still part of the beast. I get that, but it's at least a purposeful uh, movement um, away from that. And so I think that's part of the show, uh, the purpose of the show as well an anchoring baseline reality in this artificial matrix too for people because if we're able to demonstrate that in that way you described then i think folks will have that experience through listening to this podcast and that's kind of the opposite of what they've intended um, by creating this whole artificial matrix so I, i think that's why it's really awesome to be here with you writing the handbook for the apocalypse so thank you mike for inviting me to be a part of this i really appreciate it i think it's going to be uh, a process of of sort of you know unfolding almost like what tara and i started with the synchromistic exploration of the ever expanding now you know this is a in a way a byproduct of it because it's just like yeah this moment that we're in it's 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 full of possibilities it's just a matter of what you're aware of Without a doubt. And I think that might be a nice place for us to pick up next week. Right. Because we'll talk a little bit more about what you and Tara are doing because I'm finding it uh, uh, very inspiring. And and personally, I'm finding it very curious. I want to hear about your adventure. So I think this is a good way to wrap it up. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later then, Mike. All right. I'll see you next week.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.